Hey. Why? Don't worry about it. Why? Don't worry about it. Don't be dramatic over pull tabs. So they all mean different things. Uh-huh. Like this one means one thing. Uh-huh. This one means something else because it has that. Uh-huh. And then there's another one where the circle is filled uh-huh. and it means something else. Yay. So what does it mean? This means a kiss. This means more, like we're getting spicy. And then there's another one that's, I think, sex. I don't know. Apparently it's a thing. I saw it on TikTok, actually. I saw something on TikTok or Instagram about pop tabs. And apparently in Mexico, they do that same thing, too, where it's like they pull a thing and they give, give it to you. Gotcha. Yeah. You ever hear about that? No. Hmm. You never did that? No. You're missing out. Uh-huh. Welcome to the 61st episode of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach. My name is Paige. This episode, we're going to talk about... I sound really loud. We're going to talk about seances. You all right over there? Yeah. Okay. I just, I just sound loud. Am I normally this loud? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Oh. Seances. Uh-huh. I picked this topic because I have. I already had a beer in the fridge uh-huh. that I needed to tie a topic with it. Uh-huh. So I did the thing you do. I didn't want to go out and try and find a beer or like look for a beer. I have a beer, and um, I bought it specifically for us to try. Uh-huh. So I'm excited to get into it. But uh, how was your week? Just give us a recap. I'm like I'm pretty tired. Um, and I can tell. Kind of sick. Oh, don't get me sick. I'll try not to. It's like just my nose. It's really stuffed. Um, work was good. Nothing crazy. You're getting your checklist stuff done. Yeah, I have that list of stuff. Yeah, I forgot That's to mention good. that in the last episode. Yeah, I'm getting through that very lengthy list of things to do. Hmm. And then your, you told me about your ID. Yeah. I didn't think it was important. Yeah, appointments only. Just random adult stuff. Random adult things. Being an adult. Whatever that means. I gotta go to the laundromat to get blah blah, and then I gotta renew my thing, and then I gotta submit this application. Oh. And we got bills, some bills to pay, you know. <sighs> you know what adulting is. Yeah, man. What about you? I saw tennis. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not the game. No, I didn't go to a tennis match, but I saw the band. I like the, <laughs> I like the idea that uh, people would literally just say, "I saw tennis" to refer to seeing a game of tennis, a match of tennis. <laughs> I saw football. I saw baseball. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. No more details. But uh, the band tennis. It's a a group, husband and wife. They're married. Oh, I didn't know they were husband yep. and wife. And uh, they're awesome. I love their music. It's kind of like synth. Uh, wave pop synth wave pop synth wave pop kind of like pop music but chill chill synth pop wave music what is chill pop pop where it's like still kind of like it sounds like pop music but it's not like in your face pop music okay 
it's really it's really chill. You've heard tennis. You've heard us play tennis. I have. Um, and I bought tickets a while ago and uh, I turned our buddy Jack onto tennis. And it's like, I have an extra ticket. You should come with. So that was a lot of fun. We drove downtown. Uh, tried to walk in with our vapes. He said, every, there was outline. There was a line out, out the door. So and he was like, everything out of your pockets, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's walking in groups. And he's like, what's that? What's that thing? Oh, it's a vape. Can't bring that in. See this. Okay. Sorry. This is why it's convenient to be a girl. Literally just hide it under my boob. Well, um, we went to go pretend to turn it back into our car. Uh-huh. And I just tucked it in my boot. <laughs> and um, there were guys with metal detectors scanning us. I was like, oh, he's going to find this shit in my shoe. And I was smart not to bring my knife in because I, I do that all the time. Yeah. Like, go into a concert. I just forget I have it in my pocket. But I left that in the car. And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to find it in my shoe. And he's like, did they already uh, check you? Because there's multiple people. Did they already check you with the wand back there? Yeah. <laughs> You're good. I get inside. Um, Molly Birch opened up. That was really cool. I didn't know who it was either, but she sang really well. And then when tennis came on, we moved to the right side of the audience. I managed to find a stair, like a small little step to stand on. So I was about as tall as Jack. I could see over everyone. There were a lot of tall people there. Uh-huh. But I could see the stage, which was really good. There was a lot of drama going on to the right of me, though. There was like some dude who was like vibing out so hard that he was like bumping up against this other chick. And the chick was like, bro, you got to stop. Like, you're up in my space. And he started turning around and yelling at her. And I'm like, I'm just trying to watch tennis. And then there was a guy yelling at the other guy, and the guy moved. And then a girl was yelling at the guy who yelled at the guy because this guy was being loud. It was like, what the fuck is happening? You bitches. But um, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I got to see him. Jack and I had a good time. I went to Chicago. Mm -hmm. See, I wrote my stuff down this time. Good job. Uh, We went and saw the National Museum of Mexican Art. Mm -hmm. That was very, very fun. That sounds cool. Went to a Mexican restaurant afterwards. And then we went to the uh, Chicago Athletic Association, called the Magic Place, the Mm -hmm. drawing room. Ordered some cocktails. Had a chill night. That was very cool. Took the Metra. Took some CTA lines. And then uh, the last thing I wrote down, there's this random, I got it here, actually. I just got it in the mail today. So apparently there's a website where you can go on and you punch in your name and it can tell you if you have any um, unclaimed property. So any funds or any physical property that has just kind of made it to limbo Uh where it's just kind of sitting around. Um, And in my case, I looked up my name and I had some money that was unclaimed. I don't know how this happened, but it was from Guitar Center. Uh And it says under $25. The value. It doesn't give you the exact amount, but it's like under 25 bucks. And if you want to claim it, you click OK and then you punch in everything. Uh, sometimes they ask for ID, but since this was so small, they were like, no, we'll just send you the check. Um, and like I said, I don't know how this happened, but they sent me a check for $7.74. $7.44 from Guitar Center. I, I just had $7.44 sitting around. That's interesting. What's it called? Um, let me see. The first site is just for Illinois. It's called iCash.IllinoisTreasure.gov. Now, for you, it might be better to use this site, FindMyFunds.com, because that will search nationwide. Um, The first one is just for Illinois residents, if you have any unclaimed property in Illinois, any funds in Illinois. But FindMyFunds.com, you just punch in your first and last name, Mm -hmm. and then the uh, state you want to search in, 
and it will tell you if you've got any unclaimed property, any money, any physical things that just kind of got lost in limbo, like I said. So I got a check for seven bucks. I'm looking. Yeah, check it out. Punch in your name. Let me see if you got anything. Yep, nothing. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a few of my relatives, um, like people who have since passed, uh-huh. and there's money just sitting with their name on it. And it's like over $100, over $500. It's like, geez. So you can claim it if you're like an heir of them, mm-hmm. like it's someone who died in your their trust. Um, you can claim that money, but it's just sitting around. It's crazy. Getting to the beer. The beer for episode 61 on seances is from Arvon Brewing Company. Arvon mm. Brewing Co. is located at 1006 Division Avenue South in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49507. Uh-huh. So that was my second in a row, I think, because my last one uh, on Elizabeth Bathory, if I remember right, was also from Michigan. Arvon Brewing Company, 10,006 Division Avenue South in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Arvon Brewing Co., located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, creating bold New England-style IPAs and heavily fruited sours that craft beer enthusiasts are proud to drink. Yeah. Our mission at Arvon Brewing Co. is to craft excellent beer. It's a pretty good mission for a brewery. We are committed to making beer that challenges expectations and upholds superior quality. Arvon means the people's friend. And we hope you'll come drink with us and share the bond that is good beer. Cheers. Cheers. Arvon. Uh, that's all I could find about their brewing company. The website really doesn't have a whole lot on it. Uh, the beer that we're going to drink is called Profound Technique. <laughs> Okay. So, I first thing I could think of, it's like, I see this beer. Uh, okay, I'll talk about this in a second. So, it's called Profound Technique. Untapped uh, has this description. For our 100th one th- batch, we loaded a beer full of our favorite hops. This double New England IPA is brewed with Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, and then dry hopped with Cryo Citra, Cryo Mosaic, and Galaxy. Looking on their website, they um, their on tap list. They have twelve beers. Mm-hmm. They're mostly New England IPAs, and they have a few sours. And I got this beer from Port View Wine and Beer Market in Pentwater, Michigan. The last time I was up there, last time I was in Michigan, there's a really cool beer market up there. It sells a lot of good beer and wine. And I knew I wanted to find a beer up there from Michigan and bring it back and do it on a podcast episode. And I told the guy at the desk, "Is like, yeah, I do a podcast. We tie in beers to the episodes." And he started suggesting a few things. So you suggested this. And I was looking at it. I was like, that looks like a really cool beer. I like the name. I just don't know how I'm going to tie it, tie this in with an episode. Uh-huh. So I had uh, some difficulty thinking of a topic. But I looked at it again, Profound Technique. And I was like, okay, seances. Sure. 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 I guess it kind of makes sense. Uh, this is a New England double IPA. We've had a ton of these. We've done a lot of these before, so I won't really go into much. Uh, they're fruit forward, tropical tasting, juicy IPAs. They're hazy in color, lighter in SRM with strong fruit flavors and strong hop flavors. And that's just from, that's just stuff I know now because <laughs> we've done so many. I didn't even have to look that up. That's the stuff I know now. It's just stuff I know. It is 8.4% ABV. Unknown IBU or SRM. Mm-hmm. It has a beer advocate score of 88. Very good. It is ranked 1,071 in New England IPAs and 52,366 overall. Has an average rating of 4.37. That's not bad. 
That's not bad. 88. I think it's only got like 10 ratings, though, so not a whole lot of people have tried it, but it's got enough ratings to give it a score. And while my beer load or beer list loads, I will grab the beer. Ugh. I'm so tired of this congestion. I'm sorry, and I haven't been sleeping well. That's no fun. Because Allison's been snoring a lot. Oh, see, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't sleep in the same room with someone who snores. I cannot. Sorry. You snored when we were in uh, South Dakota. I know. I asked you. Remember? I guess I did. I did end up falling asleep. I just had my head under a pillow and my head on top of a pillow at the same time. Didn't you bring your earplugs? I did. And they're just uncomfortable to sleep in. But I made it work. It's fine. Was I that loud? You snore kind of loud. Not too loud. My mom snores really loud. So does my dad. Actually, he has a sleep apnea machine now, so he doesn't. My dad does also. He has a sleep apnea. He snored really loud, too. But Look at this. Spiegel. Look it. We get to break these babies out again. It's and been too long. you get to break them later. And I get to break one of these later while I wash it. It's mm. been a while. Spiegel IP glass. Oh, I hated that. I'm going to bring this over to you because your arms are short. Oh, <laughs> I felt like an insult. <sighs> yeah, why are these so peely? Mine is at least. Look at this. Yeah. Come right off. Yep. That's weird. Not sure. Let's see here. It's a bridge. Profound technique. I like uh, Arvon's logo. Keep cold. Drink fresh. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Looks like something a hipster would get tattooed on them. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so, again, why does this go together? Profound technique. A seance. There's a technique involved. And you're the no. one that was over there just like, let's whip out a Ouija board. That was my tie-in. All right, let's get a whiff. And the IPA. I keep seeing posts on Facebook and such that are making fun of people who like IPAs. Mm. My voice sounds so deep right now. Um, there's like a, there's one that involves the pictures of Kyle Rittenhouse and his shitty crying. And it's like when somebody who like who says they like IPAs tried to show you that it's good, and it's like <laughs> his crying face. I saw another one that was like. When my toddler checks to see if the tears are working. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that this was an IPA after I bought it. And uh, when I started doing my research, I was like, oh, that's cool. Because I was expecting it to be clear, but it's going to be very hazy. Because huh. I think I saw pictures of it. And I'm excited to try it. Calm down over there, Jesus. I got, I know. <laughs> my pour looks like your pours. I have something exciting to show you uh -huh. right now. Um, and this mic is so low right now. I just, usually slouch. And Ali is the one who got it for us. Uh -huh. And I think you're, you're going to need to get up to check it out. But then you can sit back down. But I'm right gonna, now? Yes, right now. It smells very tropical. It does look like a hazy IPA. Yes. So... Um, for the episode, my girlfriend, Ale, got us a um, little photo tent so we can um, up our Instagram game. So the photo for this beer, you can see, um, it will be done in a very professional manner. Mm. You'll see it's how, how beautiful the colors, everything. It's, oh, it's gorgeous. 
So I'm very happy about that. I'm getting mango. Like I said, very tropical. Definitely mango. You'd think after like 60 episodes I would get this down. Pouring? Yeah, the pouring you do thing. You make a lot of mess. I do. It's all over my pants now. Mm, it's not pee. I'm congested, so I'm not getting a lot. I've been there. This is one of the uh, smoother uh, NEIPAs that I've had, that we've had on the show. I enjoy the mouthfeel a lot. Um, it feels kind of thick. It is, uh, but it's creamy. It's smooth. It's velvety, but it is, it's a little, yeah, it's got something to it. Um, it's got a very strong throat taste that I'm not a fan of. I'm not getting that as much. I mean, like hop. Yeah, I'm not getting that as much. I am. But yeah, hops are there. We've had all of these hops before. We know how these hops and these beers taste. We know how New England IPAs taste. I think every time I get something that has mosaic hops in it, I don't like it. But I get... I like pineapple, mango, tropical um, fruit. No, I'm stuffed. I'm not getting any of that. Oh, that's upsetting. And then the hop is there and the burp and the aftertaste. It's sort of the dry hoppedness. Mm. But it's smooth. I like it because it's uh, it doesn't drink really like a beer. It drinks like juice. I disagree. Mm. I can hardly taste like the carbonation, like the fizziness on my tongue. It's mm. just nothing. But it's got a decent head on it. It's just... It's stumpy. When I'm sipping it, it's like I can hardly taste any carbonation. You're swirling beer like you're drinking wine <laughs> right now? Yeah, don't judge. These are fancy glasses. I'm going to do fancy things with them. <laughs> a little bit of bite in the end, but... We're all that bad. I dig it. I wouldn't say I'm impressed, but I like it. It's tasty. Out of uh, a lot of the other NEIPAs that we've had before, I like it. Actually, the last 10 episodes, we didn't have a single New England IPA. Oh, wow. I know. Look at us go. I we like it. We said we were going to mix it up. Yep. And then the last, uh, the 10 before that, we only had one. Huh. It was uh, Terradome by our favorite brewers. Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. Did you forget the name? No, it was right there. Oh. But we got we to gotta do more, more of those guys, for sure. Will you get me a carrot? I will get you a carrot. I'm going to put... I'm going to put a carrot. I'm going to put this at a three. I'm going to give this a eight. Okay. You took a little break. <laughs> Had some food. Uh, played some Entitled Goose game and set yeah. off the fire detector. But it's a good thing that we weren't recording during that. <laughs> what is a seance? A what se- is a seance? A seance. A seance. A seance. 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 A seance. It's an attempt to communicate with spirits. Yep. The word seance comes from the French word for session. In French, the word's meaning is quite general. One may, for example, speak of a movie session. However, the word came to be used specifically for a meeting of people who are gathered to receive messages from ghosts or listen to a spirit medium discourse with or relay discuss with. What is wrong with me? With or relay messages from spirits. In modern English usage, participants need not be seated while engaged in a seance. I find that weird. Everyone just be standing up? No, who does that? Fictionalized conversations between the deceased appear in Dialogues of the Dead by George First Baron Littleton, published in England in 1760. 
Among the notable spirits quoted in this volume are Peter the Great, uh, Pericles, a North American savage. Not Heracles. Not Heracles. William Penn and Christina, Queen of Sweden. The popularity of seances grew dramatically within the founding of the religion of spiritualism in the mid-19th century. Perhaps the best-known series of seances conducted at the time were those of Mary Todd Lincoln, who, grieving the loss of her son, organized spiritualist seances in the White House, which were attended by her husband, uh, President Abraham Lincoln, and other prominent members of society. The 1887 Siebert Commission report marred the credibility of spiritualism at the height of its popularity by publishing exposures of fraud and uh, showmanship amongst uh, secular seance leaders. Modern seances continue to be a part of the religious services of spiritualist, spiritist, and espiritismo churches today, where a greater emphasis is placed on spiritual values versus showmanship. There are a few varieties of seances. The term seance is used in a few different ways and conferred to any of four different activities. Religious seances. Mm-hmm. In the religion of spiritualism and the religion of divine metaphysics, a federally recognized religious branch out of spiritualism, it is generally a part of services to communicate with living personalities in the spirit world. Usually this is only called a seance by outsiders. The preferred term for spiritualist is receiving messages. These sessions, which generally take place in well-lit spiritualist churches or outdoors at camps, um, an ordained minister or camp, or a gifted contact medium will relate messages from spiritual, I'm sorry, from spirit personalities to those who, to those here, I'm sorry, I'm really tired, <laughs> to those here in this physical form. Generally, spiritualists message services or demonstrations of the continuity of life are open to the public. Sometimes the medium stands to receive messages and only the sitter is seated. Wow, the sitter is seated. Yeah, the sitter sits. Makes sense. In some churches, the message service is preceded by a healing service involving a form of faith healing. In addition to communicating with the spirits of people who have personal relationship to congregants, some spiritual churches also deal with spirits who may have a specific relationship to the medium or a historic relationship to the body of the church. An example of the latter is the spirit of Black Hawk. A Native American warrior of the Fox tribe who lived during the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Black Hawk was a spirit who was often contacted by the spiritualist medium Leafy Anderson, and he remains the central focus of special services in the African American spiritual churches that she founded. In the Latin American religion of Espiritismo, which somewhat resembles spiritualism, seance sessions in which congregants attempt to communicate with spirits are called um, misas? Misas? Emma. M- misas? Misas. Which means masses. Mm. The spirits addressed in Espiritismo are often those of ancestors or Catholic saints. Mm-hmm. There's stage mediumship seances, mediums who, claimed, uh, who claim to contact spirits of the dead or other spirits while on a stage with audience members seated before them are not literally holding a seance because they themselves are not seated. However, this is still called a seance. Okay. One of the foremost early practitioners of this type of contact with the dead was Pascal Beverly Randolph, who worked with the spirits of the relatives of audience members, but was also famed for his ability to contact and deliver messages from ancient seers and philosophers such as Plato. Hmm. 
didn't there used to be a TV show where a guy basically was claiming to be a medium and he'd like pull things from the audience that were like cues to I feel like that sounds slightly familiar, but I I wouldn't be able to tell you whether or not it's real. Uh, Leader-assisted seances are generally conducted by small groups of people with participants seated around a table in a dark or semi-dark room. The leader is typically asserted to be a medium, and he or she may get into a trance that theoretically allows the spirits to communicate through his or her body, conveying messages to the other participants. Mm -hmm. I know about those. I've seen those in movies. Mm -hmm. Other modes of communication may also be attempted, including uh, psychography or automatic writing, numbered raps... <laughs> a one, a two, a three to the four. Levitation of the table or of spirit trumpets. Uh, it was thought spirits of the dead resided within the realm of dark and shadow, making the absence of life a necess- light a necessity. Everyone's got to be dead to do a seance mm-hmm. to invoke them. Skeptics were unwilling to accept this required condition, saying you would not buy an automobile if it was only presented in the dark. Well. Automobile is quite different than a seance, talking to dead people. This is the type of seance that is most often the subject of shock and scandal when it turns out that the leader is practicing some form of stage magic illusion or using mentalism tricks to defraud clients. Mm-hmm. Informal social seances. Among those with an interest in the occult, a tradition has grown up of conducting seances outside of any religious context and without a leader. Sometimes only two or three people are involved, and if they are young, they may be using the seance as a way to test their understanding of the boundaries between reality and the paranormal. It is in such small seances that the planchet and Ouija board are often most utilized. Mm -hmm. And then a spiritualist session. Um, Here, spiritualists and practitioners, psychics and mediums, hold a seance uh, so that all participants speak with various personalities in the spirit world. This held in a seating manner in a circle. Um, so there's, oh God, uh, like tools and techniques, I guess would be Yeah. mediumship involves an act where the practitioner attempts to receive messages from spirits of the dead and from other spirits that the partic- uh, practitioner believes exist. Some self-ordained mediums are fully conscious and awake while functioning as context. Others may slip into a partial or full trance or into an altered state of consciousness. These self-called trance mediums often state that when they emerge from the trance state, they have no recollection of the me- of the messages they conveyed. It is customary for such practitioners to work with an assistant who writes down or otherwise records their words. Mm-hmm. Uh, spirit boards, talking boards, or Ouija boards, Hell as yeah. they're known. Are flat tablets tickle, uh, typically tickly, typically made of wood, um, chipboard or plastic. On the board are a number of symbols, pictures, letters, numbers, and/or words. The board is accompanied by a planchette, French for little board, which can take hmm. the form of a pointer on three legs or magnifying glass on legs. Homemade boards may employ a shot of glass as a planchette. <laughs> A most basic Ouija board would contain simply the alphabet of whatever the country the board is being used in, although it is not uncommon for whole words to be added. The board is used as follows. One or more of the participants in the seance place one or two fingers on the planchet, which is in the middle of the board. The appointed medium asks questions of the spirit or spirits with whom they are attempting to communicate. Uh, Trumpets, slates, tables, and cabinets. 
During the latter half of the 19th century, a number of spiritualist meetings began to advocate the use of specialized tools for conducting seances, mm. particularly in leader-assisted sessions conducted in darkened rooms. Spirit trumpets were horn-shaped speaking tubes that were said to magnify the whispered voices of spirits to audible range. Spirit slates consisted of two chalkboards bound together that, when opened, were said to reveal messages written by spirits. Seance tables were special lightweight tables which were said to rotate, float, or levitate when spirits were present. Okay. And spirit cabinets were portable closets into which mediums were placed, often bound with ropes in order to prevent them from manipulating the various aforementioned tools. I'm assuming you do notable seances. I do. I cover a list. <laughs> Uh, scientific skeptics and atheists generally consider both religious and secular seances to be scams, or at least a form of pious fraud, mm -hmm. citing a lack of empirical evidence. The exposure of supposed mediums who use, whose use of seance tools derived from the techniques of staged magic has been disturbing to many believers in spirit communication, in particular the 1870s exposure of the Davenport brothers as illusionists and the 1887 report of the Siebert Commission brought an end to the first historic phase of spiritualism. Stage magicians like John Neville, um, Muskellian, and Harry Houdini made a sideline of exposing fraudulent mediums during the late 19th and early 20th century. Yep. In 1976, M. Larkin, I'm sorry, M. Lamar described deceptive techniques that he himself had used in seances. However, in the same book, Keen also stated that he had uh, a firm belief in God, life after death, ESP, and other psychic phenomena. Critics of channeling, including both skeptics and believers, state that since the most commonly reported physical manifestations of channeling are an unusual vocal pattern or abnormal overt behaviors of the medium, it can be quite easily faked by anyone with theatrical talent. Sure. Critics of spirit board communication techniques, again, including both skeptics and believers, state that the premise that a spirit will move the planchet and spell out messages using the symbols on the board is undermined by the fact that several people have their hands on the planchet, which allows any of them to spell out anything that we want with the, without the others knowing. They claim that this is a common trick used on occasions such as teenage sleepover parties to scare the people present. Another criticism of spirit board communication involves what is called the uh, idiomotor effect, which has been suggested as an um, subconscious mechanism. So, like, you do it unknowingly. Uh -huh. By which a Ouija user's mind unknowingly guides his hand upon the planchet. Hence, they will honestly believe that it is not, it is not moving it. He's right. not moving it. When, in fact, they are. This theory, rests, this theory rests on the embedded premise that humans beings, humans beings, human humans beings, beings, actually have a subconscious mind, a belief not held by all. Uh-huh. That's it. Okay. That's what I want to do. Ouija board. You're a fool. I I can't remember if I did it once. I don't I don't remember who it was with. I don't remember like what we used. I don't know if it was like a piece of paper, like we just wrote letters on a paper and then tried to do it. Uh -huh. I feel like I did it once. And nothing happened. So I want to try it again. Okay. <laughs> Have fun being haunted. I am going to talk about two different things. First one is an article that talks about eight famous famous seances. Famous. For centuries, seances have provided entertainment for skeptics as well as solace for people hoping to catch a glimpse of their deceased loved ones. These are a few notable times mediums have tried to contact the dead. 
Number one, the annual Houdini Seance. Before magician and famous skeptic Harry Houdini died on Halloween in 1926, he said that he would send word of the afterlife, if there was one, once he was gone. He and his wife, Bess, even devised a code word that only they knew. Though Bess held seances on the anniversary of his death for 10 years, hoping to hear their secret word, nothing ever happened. Still, a variety of magicians, Houdini enthusiasts, and spiritualists have continued the tradition ever since, including a virtual seance in 2020, because COVID ruined everything. Jane Pierce's White House seances, which I think you talked about. I didn't know about this. Even if you don't believe seances can produce spirits, you can't blame the First Lady Jane Pierce for trying. Um, no, you talked about another lady in the White House, Abraham Lincoln, right? Uh, yeah, Mary Todd Lincoln. That's it. First Lady J.D. Pierce for trying. She had already lost two young sons before her husband, Franklin Pierce, was elected president in 1852, so she was particularly protective of Benny, the only surviving child. Unfortunately, it didn't do her much good. Two months before Franklin Pierce was inaugurated, the family was involved in a train derailment that took 11-year-old Benny's life. She wrote her deceased son a letter not long afterward, asking him to appear to her so she could apologize for failing him. To help him find his way, she hired the Fox Sisters, famous mediums who did much to popularize seances. Gesundheit. I just cracked my back. There's no record as to what happened at the White House seance, but we do know Jane reported that Benny had appeared to her in her dreams shortly thereafter. Number three, levitation seances. Starting in the 1880s, Daniel Douglas Holm convinced some people of his supernatural ability by levitating during seances. Though the stunts certainly generated publicity, Holmes' abilities were called into question when insiders said he simply stood between closely placed balconies or stood outside on wide windowsills. Holmes counted many celebrities among his fans, including Queen Sophia of the Netherlands, Napoleon III, and poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, but he didn't impress everyone. Houdini wasn't fooled, calling home the forerunner of the mediums whose forte is fleecing by presuming on the credulity of the public. There's some strong words, Houdini. Number four, the seance that raised a judge. John, judge John W. Edmonds died on April 5, 1874. A month later, he allegedly gave a speech in London, thanks to medium Cora L. V. Tapan, a young woman who had been giving spiritualist performances since, since the age of 15. The eloquent speech helped bolster the medium's successful career. She became the pastor of a spiritualist church the following year and helped found the National Spiritualist Association. Number five, the Mary Todd Lincoln seances. There you go. Like Jane Pierce, Mary Todd Lincoln's interest in talking to the dead is pretty understandable. I didn't know about that. And also like Pierce, Lincoln employed the Fox sisters to help her reach a loved one taken too soon, specifically her assassinated husband. There are no reports as to whether she was satisfied with the result, but the Fox sisters later admitted that their method of communicating with the dead, rapping on tables and other objects, was created by cracking their joints and making noises with their feet. <laughs> In addition to Abe, Mary also tried to contact her sons via seance using a variety of mediums and was quite happy with how those turned out. Willie lives, she once reported. He comes to me every night and stands at the foot of the bed with the same sweet, adorable smile he always had. He does not always come alone. Little Eddie is sometimes with him. Number six, museum-worthy seances. Georgina Hutton, 
was an artist who became interested in spiritualism in the early 1860s after the death of her younger sister. It didn't take long for Houghton to combine to her two interests, channeling creative spirits during seances to create watercolors and other works of art. Though she originally said that dead family members helped guide her hand, Houghton later claimed to have contacted Renaissance artists Titan and Corriego. Corregio. Whether or not her works were the result of the afterlife, they're still relevant today. Her art was exhibited at a prestigious London gallery in 2016. Number 7. The Black Hawk Seances In 1913, Mother Leafy Anderson founded the Eternal Life Christian Spiritualist Association in Chicago, an organization partly founded on the messages she brought from her spirit guide, Black Hawk, a leader of the So tribe during religious seances. Anderson never knew Black Hawk. He died in 1838, nearly 50 years before she was born. Anderson herself died in 1927, but the word she brought from Black Hawk stuck. Some faiths still channel Black Hawk to this day. And number eight, the pay-per-view seance. Lest you think that seances are ancient history, a silly diversion for people unenlightened by technology, consider Spirit of Diana, a 2003 pay-per-view event in which British mediums Craig and Jane Hamilton Parker claim to have contacted Princess Diana. The things Diana revealed weren't exactly shocking or personal. The mediums claimed she said she was having fun in the afterlife, chilling with Mother Teresa. She had planned on marrying Dodie, Fayed, and was still watching over her sons. This last thing I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to try and go through it quick, is uh, it's an art, another article titled, So You Want to Throw a Seance at Home? <laughs> So, you want to throw a seance. It's the last week of October. It's hard to not get swept up in the spooky season. And what is spookier than contacting spirits in the comfort of your very own home? But hosting your own ceremony is far more involved than you might think. So we've enlisted a professional to take you through all the steps, precautions, and other important information that you might need before throwing your own seance. This past Sunday, Dakota Brassiel co-owner of Catland, an occult bookshop located in Bushwick, Brooklyn, which also hosts regular events with names like Yoga for Witches and Potions and Tinctures 101, lead the store's All Hallows Seance, their first group seance. Ahead of the event, the witch breaks down how to throw your very own. So what are the preparations you need to make when starting to plan a seance? Generally, you want to make sure you are in the right headspace. A lot of people approach a seance because they are going through grief. A lot of people will say you shouldn't do that. But listen, I'm not going to tell someone how to grieve. God show mercy who would ever try to tell me how to grieve when I go through that. I would just say make sure you are in the right headspace in terms of stability. The idea is that you are engaging with foreign elements, so it's always good to be on solid ground before that. One of the key things that I would tell everyone is that every spirit you don't know is potentially dangerous, just like a person or an animal. You are dealing with another sentient, intelligent, animated creature that has a mind of its own and an agenda of its own and is not necessarily there to help you just because it's a spirit. And, of course, the main thing that you have to do for anything of this nature is you have to cleanse and set protections in your space. How do you find the right location to hold the seance? 
Location matters a lot, mostly for your own comfort level. A lot of people are going to try to find the spookiest place possible because they want to get a thrill for Halloween. You don't want to do that. The best place to do is the hearth of the home, which is the most central or active place in the home. Because it gets the most human traffic, there is kind of a home team advantage. You want to think about your own concerns in terms of comfort. Make sure you are sitting comfortably so you don't have to move a lot. Make sure the lighting is comfortable so you can see what you're doing, but it's not too overpowering and make sure that you are not interrupted. How do you then protect and cleanse the space? A lot of people, their very first instinct is to reach for the bundle of go ahead and fill it in, sage. That is the number one thing that people get wrong. You can't use sage for spiritual cleansing, full stop. A lot of people, their whole approach to anything witchcraft is, I'm just going to stop using my critical thinking skills because everything is magic and nothing counts. <laughs> if you want to really cleanse your space and burn herbs for it, the best thing I can recommend is cedar. Cedar has been used for rites of banishing, cleansing, purification, exorcism, and every single part of the planet where it grows for at least 5,000 years. We're talking ancient Babylonia all the way up to the Mediterranean, North and South America, Japan, North Africa, everywhere that it grows. It's been used for the same thing. Another one for burning that is great is Palo Santo, as long as you get the legal verified kind. They are sticks of wood that smell incredible and come from the tree that produces the resin known as copal, which is what they burn in Catholic Mass. That's been used by tons of different people for purification and protection and cleansing space. For protection, one of the easiest things you can do is grab a jug of olive oil off the counter, make the sign of the cross three times, recite Psalm 23, and boom, you have holy oil. You do the sign of the cross over all the doors and all the windows and mirrors, and you've got a whole protective seal on the house. Don't be afraid to use water. All around the full moon, maybe it will be time to clean your house, and what you can do is brew herbs into an infusion. Add that to a mop bucket, or even better, literally splash on the floor and use a Swiffer wet jet from the very back of your house to the front door. As it's drying, burn the herbs and go through the house with all the doors and the windows open and close them one by one with the oil, and there you go. That's a full-blown ritual. Is there any time that it's most optimal... To host a seance, it really depends on you and your beliefs. When it comes to anything psychic, cultures usually associate that with the sun or moon. For example, in ancient Greek culture, it was associated with the sun because Apollo was considered to be the deity of prophecy. But the moon was in charge of witchcraft, and those were the times that you could see someone practicing what we know as necromancy. Necromancy is what you're practicing if you're doing a seance. That's a word that I would I would love if we could make a little less stigmatized. Because necromancy is literally the same thing as cartomancy. 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 Cartomancy is divination using cards. Necromancy is divination by talking to spirits. It's not like I want to make a bunch of zombies. Some cultures would say you have to do it when the sun is up, but some cultures say that when the sun is up, the spirits are totally inaccessible, and you have to do it at a certain time of night, whether it's that, that that's midnight or 3 a.m., which is the traditional witching hour in Western Europe. It really depends on you and your comfort level. Remember that every decision that you make should be a conscious, critical decision. There's no wrong time. It's just very much up to you. And what you have to remember is so much of witchcraft is about trying things and seeing what works. Is it best to hold a seance alone or with a group? I'm a really big fan of skepticism and doubt in all the things that I do. I'm always looking for a completely non-spiritual explanation for everything to make sure that we're not filling in the gaps with magical thinking. 
For me, the more, the merrier. A larger seance makes sure that you're going to have more objective experiences and people aren't going to make things up. But you want to go into it with a peep with people who may not share the same opinion, but can agree in a common level of decorum. You can all go in as skeptics, go ahead, have fun, but just make sure that everyone goes in with the same agreed-upon amount of respect and reverence. Also agree upon what's going to happen beforehand. Don't wing it. This is not the time to wing it. You really want to make sure you have a game plan. How do you choose the object or apparatus that you'll use for the spirit to communicate through? Look at your moon sign. There are three different types of divination. There's inductive divination, which is when you practice augury, like watching natural phenomena and interpre interpreting it. There's interpretive divination, which is when we find tarot and the runes. And then you have inspired divination, which is mediumship or clairvoyance. In choosing your tool, go with your gut. If you are someone who wants to go objective as possible, maybe you use a pendulum, which only answers yes or no in either or questions you're going to have a very decisive sitting. What you want to stay away from is anything that's supposed to be channeled through you. That is a very bad idea. If you're like, I watch a lot of horror movies, I've seen emphasized text, I think I'm going to try automatic writing for my first seance. Like, okay, good luck getting possessed, Susan. <laughs> is there any object that does not work as an apparatus? I would say no. You're talking to me and I'm somebody who has practiced a long time and taught a long time. The kind of magic that I come from, especially on my mother's side of the family, is conjure and hoodoo from the deep south. And anything that isn't nailed down to the floor is a possible ingredient. Once everything is cleansed and purified, how do you begin the seance? You usually want to start with an opening prayer, something that welcomes in whatever you feel comfortable with. Find a word that you feel comfortable with, but make sure you know what the word refers to, like spirit guide or guardian angels or ancestors, something that is going to make you feel okay. If you don't know what to pick, stick with your ancestors. Every single culture in the world has some form of ancestors and an understanding that they are blood-related to people all the way back to the beginning, which means you are the living manifestation of at least 100,000 years of human experience. So there's the idea that the people who have gone before you may have some vested interest in you having a continued happy and healthy and safe existence. Is it best to go in wait, wanting to conjure a specific spirit or to be more open-ended in your intentions? It's not a bad idea to target a specific spirit, but make sure you remember that in a lot of cultures it is extremely taboo to try to contact the recently dead. And there's good reason for that. In a lot of cultures there is the understanding that the recently dead are unavailable and made so that they don't become a wandering spirit or ghost and become tethered to the earth. So any spirit who does answer isn't actually them, but is a malicious or no good spirit just taking on that face to wreak havoc. I don't know if 100% believe that, but it is worth noting and taking caution. If you want to conjure something specific, ask for your ancestral helping spirit to get, introduce themselves and to protect you and watch out during the seance. If there are any other spirits who would like to be heard, and that they only come forth if they have a message and mean no harm. And take anything you get with a grain of salt. Most people aren't in it for targeted reason. They really just want to have the experience. But if you're going to experiment with it, at least take precaution with it. How long does a typical seance usually last? You want to have an opening prayer to initiate, some time for questions and answers, and then you want to have a closing prayer to seal the space and not have anything going. I guess it depends on how long you consider all those parts to be. Is there any way to quickly end a ceremony if it seems a malicious spirit has come through? 
There's a reason for that. For all of human history, salt has had a really central role. If you come from any sort of Christian background, get some holy water. You can go to any Catholic church with a water bottle and get some and splash that on whatever you've been working on along with some salt. A St. Benedict medal is really great to have just to ward off any trouble, but salt works regardless of who you are or what you believe. You can also do a salt circle around the apparatus yourselves when setting up to set the appropriate boundaries. Are there any steps you need to take post-seance? You can do something that is anointing. Getting some Florida water is amazing and washing your hands and, and the front of your head. In a lot of cultures, you can never do anything without covering your head, which prevents you from getting possessed or getting messed up. Really, the way you decompress is by action. Usually during a seance, you've been sitting still and maybe you're not really breathing too heavily. Just do the opposite of that. The kinetic energy really helps to clear things out. Is there anything else you think people should know before throwing their own seance? Seances are great, but there is a certain, forgive the pun, grave respect that they demand. I think people need to be a little more careful. Spirits are not playthings, and you essentially are a spirit in a body, and not for very long. You would be very upset if somebody tried to mess with you. Even if you don't believe in something, that doesn't mean you have to disrespect it. I would be very careful about that. On the other hand, we live in a world that is incredible to explore. We are problem-solving mammals who would rather have a conspiracy theory than no theory. We absolutely love to ponder these things and explore them. Absolutely explore and have fun with it. But please make sure that you have some level of precaution and respect. And don't do seances in graveyards. A lot of people think that's a good idea, but don't do that. It was, I was listening. I was just dozing. What do you think of the beer? It was a hazy IPA, Paige. Ain't that the truth? Juicy, fruity, smooth, Ow. thicker mouthfeel, hops. Uh. Smelled good. Uh. I wish you could have smelled it. Uh, can you give me another tissue? Yeah. Thank you. It's driving me crazy. I'm sorry. Was there anything else you wanted to add about it? <laughs> well, you said I wish you could smell it. I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to say. No. You? Uh, I wasn't a huge fan. No, you did give it an eight. Yeah, not that interested in it. I don't know if it's because I'm congested and the hop just doesn't taste good right now. Um, that might play a part. Yeah. But all I was getting out of that was just a very, very bitter hop, and I was not a fan. Hmm. Um, the smell was great, though. The smell was great. Very, very tropical, very mango. Um, but yeah, overall, I was not blown away. We need to do another Santa Rod beer. I agree. They have that new one that came out that I want to do. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, let's do it. Let's let's do one soon. Okay. Within these ten episodes, for sure. Sure. Beerandfearcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, beerandfearcast at gmail.com is our email. Check out our website. Go to our about page. You can send us a message. All of our video episodes are available to watch for free on YouTube. It's Beer and Fear. You can use the links in the description to find the video episodes if you want to watch us. Um, Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you in the next episode.